Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. The saying goes it takes a village to raise a child. You lean on family members and friends and rely on them to help you carry the load of parenthood. But what if those you lean on don't have your child's best interest at heart? On July 12, 2001, a little girl was found dead after her village and Child Protective Services failed her beyond words. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Aim Lynn Deal was born on July 24, 2000 in Pennsylvania to Shirley Deal. Shirley, who was married to a man named David Deal, had been seeing another man at the time that Aim was conceived, therefore unsure of who the father was. However, David was listed on her birth certificate and, for the most part, raised the girl with Shirley. That was, until Shirley left David and took the kids to live with her mother. 
This didn't last long, and eventually the family was reunited in Texas, where they lived with David's mother, Judith, and her sister, Cynthia. While living there, Shirley felt she was made a slave by her husband's family. They would call her names, force her to do all the work around the house, and hit her if she didn't do it properly. Shirley was eventually thrown out without her children and moved to Kansas. Needing a new whipping person, the family focused their attention on little aim. Over the years, the family moved from Texas to Pennsylvania, Utah, Arizona, and Wisconsin, and in each location attracted the attention of the local Child Protective Services due to their disgusting conditions of residence. The children, more specifically AIM, showed signs of abuse and neglect. AIM often had headlights and once came to school with cat urine soaking her shoes. And the family made it abundantly clear, even to observers, that AIM was their scapegoat. While living in Phoenix, the children were homeschooled and slept outside in tents in the blistering heat while David slept in the family's rental home with his biological children. You see, that's why AIM was the target. Her unknown paternity angered David's whole family and made her the enemy. She was made to pay for her mother's mistakes. She was forced to walk barefoot back and forth on the hot sidewalks in Phoenix, beaten with a paddle called the Butt Buster, and forced to eat hot sauce and dog feces. She slept in a shower stall without any bedding and was punished for stealing food, food she was denied on numerous occasions. And her beatings were a family affair. She was often struck down by Cynthia Stoltzman, Ames' legal guardian, her daughter Samantha Allen, who took cues from her mother, and Samantha's husband, John Allen. While the other 12 or so kids in the home were neglected, AIM was abused. When they got in trouble, they sat in timeout. When AIM did, she was placed in a plastic trunk. And while she was inside, Samantha would sit on top of it and type away on her laptop. The other children not only got AIM in trouble, but were trained to lie if anyone asked about AIM in the trunk. It was this very trunk that AIM found herself in on July 11, 2001. AIM learned that if she pushed her feet on the lid, she could get small holes to use for air. The trunk lived inside of the garage where temperatures climbed and the air was scarce inside of the box. But on this particular night, Samantha warned her husband that the girl may try to escape. So John grabbed a padlock, shut the airtight container, locked it, and left with the key. They planned on checking on AIM in an hour, but fell asleep and left her there overnight. When they finally opened the box at 8 a.m. on July 12, 2001, AIM Deal's body, which was a little over 4 feet and just 59 pounds, was curled into a fetal position inside of the 3 by one by one trunk. She died just 12 days before her 11th birthday. An hour and a half later, 911 was called. When the police arrived, the family regaled them with a story of hide-and-seek gone wrong. But after just one look at her clearly battered body and the disgusting state of the home, they knew there was more to the girl in the box's story. During the interrogation, Samantha and John admitted to locking AIM in the trunk after she stole a popsicle without permission. The couple was officially arrested on July 27, 2011, and the rest of the family shortly thereafter. A few days after the arrest, David Deal asked various friends and family to bail his mother and sister out of jail, and the other children inside of the home were sent to Child Protective Services. David himself was not charged with the death of his daughter, 
though he was sentenced on June 6, 2013, after pleading guilty to attempted child abuse. He received just 14 years in prison. Cynthia Stoltzman, David's sister, pleaded guilty to two counts of child abuse and one count of attempted child abuse. She was sentenced to 24 years and given a lifetime of probation. Judith Deal, Ames' grandmother, also pleaded guilty to attempted child abuse and was sentenced to 10 years in prison with a lifetime of probation. As for Samantha Allen, the woman who placed AIM in the box, she was sentenced to death by lethal injection on August 7, 2017 for first-degree murder and an additional 24 years for child abuse and conspiracy to commit child abuse. She is one of only three women in Arizona's death row. John Allen, the man who padlocked the box, was sentenced to death by lethal injection as well. AIM Deal's death became a lightning rod for everything that was wrong with the child welfare systems. The state of Arizona launched an investigation, bills were written, people were fined, and the agency was overhauled. But the truth is, an overburdened system is always going to have cracks, and through those cracks falls desperate children in need of help. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 13th. Don't forget to subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.